Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. I'm Logan Jones here with Evan Knowles, recording out of Awesome Inc. studio today. Um, we just sat down with Albert Lukanga, uh, founder of Albert Couture, and I'm still just shocked at the amount of knowledge and information and stories <laughs> that just got dropped on our heads. It was, without a doubt, one of the favorite interviews that I've ever gotten to be a part of. I don't know if I've ever heard anything like that. It was crazy. It's, it's legit crazy. We're not even talking about anything news going on because there's so much that we just kind of wanted to highlight in this episode. Um, and it's just the way this all fell into place is a lot of serendipity. So just to kind of start how it happened very briefly, I got a suit or a sports coat, needed it tailored. Um, Albert Lukonga worked at uh, Joseph A. Bank at the time, took care of me like I'd never been taken care of at a clothing place before. Tells me he's starting his own business and then... Fast forward to today, he's launched it and he told us the story behind it and the story of his life leading up to this moment. And it is one of the craziest stories. Yeah, uh, I mean, just, just some, like, to to. some highlights. It's like he's born in the Congo, fled to Zimbabwe, lived in a refugee camp for several years in Zimbabwe, uh, and then magically, by pure luck, ended up in Lexington, Kentucky, like by, by accident. It was just, just so crazy. I mean, you're gonna just going to have to hear it for yourself because it's just so out there but so uh, inspirational like the fact that he's gotten himself where he is today through hard work and just studying and connections and relationships is just so inspirational for all of you wanting to start a business because this is one of the best entrepreneurship stories i've heard in general mm-hmm. um you know we've had so many amazing guests on but you know this story is one that really nobody in america has that, that's born here can possibly relate with no way um it's just one that is beyond our imagination because we just the experiences he's been through are not possible here in the United States because we're, yeah. we're, you know, we're, we're blessed to be in a place that we are. Um, and people like, uh, you know, Albert grew up in places that are, that are least fortunate. And, you know, he's somebody that's able to been, uh, to take that experience and turn it into so much that, you know, Lexington's going to be so proud of, you know, it's something to be proud of right now. And he's just getting started, but what it'll become, uh, you can just tell that it's going to be something special that puts, Kentucky on the map for fashion. Um, I can't think of anything in Kentucky related to fashion. And I was telling Albert, like, I've never gotten into fashion, but, you know, I lived in Los Angeles and fashion's everywhere. New York, everywhere. It's like, it's, it's a lifestyle in those places. It's a part of culture. In Kentucky, it's it's really not, other than, you know, kind of the conservative, um, you know, Southern Tide and like those brands. And those are just like kind of big staple brands. They're not like born out of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and this is something that will put Kentucky on the map. I, I'm very confident of it. Of just hearing his story. I've been I've been saying that since I met him. This guy just treats everyone he meets like like your best friends. Did it with Evan. Did it with me when I first met him. Um, so you just you guys after listening to this are just gonna you're gonna want to support Albert in every way that you can. And that's the way I feel right now. That's why we wanted to have him on Middle Tech. Um, but like Evan said, just one of the best entrepreneurship stories I've ever heard. And the way he relates every single part of his story along the way and then ties it into Albert Couture. It's like, it's just such a meant to be thing. Um, and man, it's, it's really cool to see someone going at something so hard and so passionately. And I've also seen a lot of support behind him. He's been on NPR. He's been interviewed by the Herald leader. Um, so he's, he's getting good publicity. This is, he was doing us a favor by coming on middle tech for sure. Yeah. We're just, we're so thankful that, you know, yeah. you guys get to listen to this story. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, you know, it's special. Yeah. Heads up. It is a longer episode, but it's worth a listen for sure. So we're going to go ahead and dive into it. 
All right, welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here. We're really excited about today's guest. It's an amazing story right here in Lexington, Kentucky, somebody that is growing a very exciting business. Uh, we want to dive into it. He's got an awesome background, an amazing story. Uh, so we're excited for everybody to, to hear this story. His name's Albert Lukanga, and he's the owner of Albert Couture fashion brand what do you is it a fashion brand what do you yeah, what's kind of what do you, how do you describe a, the business it's a menswear label menswear uh, and label just means that everything is kind of like it's not like a store it's more like a fashion house everything's made from scratch got it yeah, cool you know I mean? awesome well we're going to talk all about your business but first we want to dive into you know your background talk about uh where you're from and we'll start from there hell yeah uh man uh when i think of where i'm from man it's like I used to be like, oh, I'm from Africa. They're like, oh, that's not specific enough. And I remember when I came to America, I stopped people like, who are you doing? They asked me, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from France. And I was like, but they, they can't interject that because I speak French. Though. Like, but I wasn't really from France. Uh, so I was actually born in Congo in 92, you know, I'm a 92 uh, December baby, you know. Uh, and back then there was like that little, it's kind of like the big, the ending war of that war that was happening between the Otis and Tutis back in Congo. So like I was born around that area, man. So it was very interesting, like, you know, crazy stuff happening when you go to school at the young age. Uh, but um, in the city called uh, Lumbashi, uh, there's two different types of Congo, right? So there's Congo Brazzaville, smaller country. And it's right next to the big Congo DRC and Democratic, which is where I'm from. Yeah, so that's where I'm from. You know, after that, I uh, left the country to Zimbabwe. Yeah, so talk talk about leaving the country and why you guys left the country in the first place. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just like, it just it was weird back then, but it was also like I guess uh, I mean being a being born around like a civil. Uh, it's just like hey, you know. Uh, this is what this is what the world is all about. I mean, that's yeah, what it's you your know, reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like. But my dad, my dad actually was actually friends with a couple of guys who were like, you know, part of the general, uh, like the like local soldiers and whatnot. And it was so hard to leave the country. Basically, the world, the reason why the war happened, it actually happened in country uh, in another country called Rwanda, which is a neighboring country of Congo, and uh, it just kind of bled out into our country. That's what happened. And so it was a bunch of just young, young kids, you know, child soldiers, you know what I mean? And uh, they uh, they were just like, they had little Roblox and they would just like get you for anything because they need to raise money for guns or anything like that. Guns, weapons, you know, just money, right, in general. So uh, in the Congo, yes, you guys know it's known for what? <laughs> Diamonds, you know what I mean? So um, with that, man... Uh, it's just being around that area and then having to stay inside uh, all the time, going to school and, you know, you, you see bullets and you kind of play with them because it's just, it's just every day. It's just another Monday. Right. So that's how I was, I was born around, you know, uh, I couldn't control that. So one time I don't, my dad, what happened was my dad was born in a kingship family, uh, kingship or kind of like family type of deal. We had, they still had kingships areas, little villages, but when you talk about being a king or being a prince back home in the Congo, it's not like, uh, it's not one of those things like. Not that, royalty. Yeah, it's not the royalty that Americans know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not uh, Megan Marco type of thing. Uh, it's, it's real serious responsibility, right? So uh, my dad left the, uh, his family at the young age. He, uh, my grandpa had had wives, you know? So my dad, my dad comes from the first wife. So uh, you can only really imagine because he was a, 
was king, you know, he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And uh, so he left, uh, he went and met mom. My mom was a Christian uh, young girl and they could not be together, you know, Christianity and those, because they believed in different type of beliefs. Yeah, so uh, usually uh, kingship families would believe in something that's more like, uh, it was more like nature and stuff like that. And uh, my mom was Catholic. <laughs> so, you know, and so that was interesting. She was more proper. She was speaking French. Uh, usually if you were educated back home in the Congo, French is like the main language that you speak. And dad spoke other like local languages and crazy languages, street languages. Uh, so dad speaks eight and mom, wow. yeah, mom oh, speaks man. about six. I speak five. I'm learning Spanish right now. So I got to make it myself. I'm trying to catch up with mom. So uh, yeah, man, that's, that's it, crazy. Yeah. So when we left the Congo, we flew in the middle of the night. Uh, dad came over. It's a little, we used to call these little buses. Uh, we used to call them combis, you know, and even in Mexico, they call them combis because it's well, right? So they took all the seats out. And so you had to lay down. Right, so everyone just kind of pass up on it, on top of each other, because like you're crossing this roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, right, to go to the neighboring countries. But you know, there's these young kids that got machetes, so and what they did that they'll cut your Hercules, right, and be, so you don't run away, right, and they'll just torture you. They won't kill you, or they'll like cut your ears or something like that. So you, it's it's a long pen for that, right? So with us, we like what they did is the war was between Udis and Tutis. They were looking for, uh, I think they were looking. Okay, I'm probably gonna butcher this. I think they were looking for Tutis, and and they could uh, something that happened in Germany, like you know, Jewish had longer nose, and that's what they're looking for. It was that propaganda example that was happening back then? And uh, so uh, we, uh, Faye, uh, Dad came and picked that us up, and uh, I come from a family of ten guys, you know, so I got four older brothers, two older sisters and back then i had one little brother so the twins came after uh, when we went to zimbabwe uh and uh so we flew in the middle of the night it was journey uh, the journey was about three days or close to four days in the car laying down uh not comfortable and just hiding all the time so we went from congo to zambia to Zimbabwe back then in 1990, like Zimbabwe was amazing, man. It was like Zimbabwe was like the America of Africa, like um, next to South Africa. You know what I mean? So got there. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Mom was already there because uh, mom was the first one to leave. Dad took mom first, and then he, he came back for us. So uh, that's how we left the country, man. Uh, that is so crazy, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> That's hard for Evan and I to even fathom. Like, yeah, 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 you know, growing around here. I mean, we take it so for granted. Even have yeah. you know put themselves in that you know mindset to even yeah relate really. Yeah, no I mean, situation in America. I don't I can't think of a, a time where that would no way be where we could connect with something like that. It's crazy, right? But it's like now that I look back, you know, when I tell the story, I'm always like smiling and stuff like that. And then people are like, why is he smiling? It's weird. We're like, we well, can't smell it, something like that. But it's like, hey, you know, uh, it happened, you know. Uh, we were the minimally, the, the, the fortunate ones, you know. And so you might as well just smile, you know what I mean? Uh, so in Zimbabwe, we had, when we got there, uh, we had to learn a whole new language, you know, as English, you know, and because it was colonized by Britain. Uh, and uh, mom was a designer and a tailor back home. 
So that's what she did. She lived that. And then when she got this bar, where she, like, we got there, she has already, she, uh, she was working for this lady who worked for the United Nations. And she was, for, uh, she was working for also ambassadors as well. She was doing like tailoring clothing and a lot of that stuff. So she was, she was creating that type of clientele and relationship already. So when we got there, she had like a beautiful house that was given to her because she didn't have anything. When she got there, she was homeless for like two months. Yeah, right? So, and this is a lady that was well-established, well-educated, but she was homeless, right? So, uh, yeah, so when we got there, it was well-established, uh, and uh, we just got into a house. There was no furniture, and it was a huge house, no furniture at all, but it, it was just beautiful. I Like, I was trying things like bologna. Like, it was like, this is amazing. I'm like, what is this? Like, just the orange juice. Like, you know, it was just like I was in awe. Like the every little thing like that, waters and like water bottles, like it was amazing. It was like it was appreciating. Things. I will never forget. I was the happiest kid, man. Yeah. Like I was like, we have an orange juice tomorrow for breakfast. Are you kidding me? Like this is the best thing ever, right? So eggs, fried eggs, like something simple as fried eggs. So that and then we went to private school. And I waited to learn that, and that we had a white uniform every day. So that was the life in Zimbabwe. But we. We'll, but what we did was when, I think when they left, the job was done, the contract was done, they had to go back to England and all that stuff. So mom didn't have a job again. So we had to leave that house and uh, uh, go into the refugee camp and get to experience a lot of refugee camp lifestyle. You know what I mean? And it was a meet this refugee camp, man. It was, you know how you guys, when you think of a refugee camp, it's like, well, I'm protective. And it's like, yeah, like, but this one was in the middle as far as further as possible as you can to the capital city, but it's in the middle of the jungle. And uh, it, the fence was like fence like you can you put around your yard, but next door to the next on the other side of the fence is like elephants and like people that like animals that could break it, like they, they could just tap the fence yeah. and it would just fall apart, right? Like and then so like it was like that. It was it was like two of them. Uh, and they, like I think they were like six feet by uh, it was like six feet away from each other but that's what kept us away from the, <laughs> these wild animals so we we're like oh so we'll go like every morning we'll wake up in the morning and what we did was would uh, our my uh, our chose was to wake up at 6 a.m. I think, no, actually, like, 5 o'clock in the morning and walk three miles to go pump water off the ground and then put it on your head. And then, there's like, and then by 7 a.m., there's, like, monkeys flying around over your head while you're, like, walking back again. So the first round was the water for us to uh, kind of, like, get ready, clean up, and brush our teeth, and take showers. The second round was for us to uh, cook, and by 8 a.m., the third round was, like, to wash dishes and all that stuff, and uh, and uh, so, yeah, man, uh, that was the life in a refugee camp. Uh, there, was, there was a truck every month, man, and it had USA on it, and when we, it was this huge truck. It's like one of those cement trucks that you guys see every day, but it was nice and covered. Uh, so it would come in every month, only once a month. It would have all the food that, like, when you guys donate money and all that stuff, they will buy this food. Like, it, it's basic stuff like beans. It was beans. It was rice. It was, like, cooking Oreo. Uh, basic stuff like that. Uh, we had oatmeal. 
Uh, so, but it wasn't like the cool oatmeal that you know it's like well nice and put together. This this oatmeal looked like rice. Still, <laughs> yeah, oh cooking like rice. So it was like on the very it was like wheat. It was at the very first phase of oatmeal. So we got all that stuff, man. Uh, so how do you end up from the refugee camp back into Lexington, Kentucky? Where does where does that come in? Uh, it was unplanned for, man. Uh, the chances of refugee, to come, I mean. People always ask me, they always ask me, like, what's the difference between an immigrant and a refugee, right? It's like, oh, man, an immigrant is somebody kind of like that flees the country, that leaves the country voluntarily, right? So they, so they, because they've seen, they want to improve their life, they want something better for their family, right? That's what an immigrant is. But a refugee is somebody that doesn't leave the country voluntarily, but they must leave, they need to leave, and the way... Like you had to go, not because you wanted to. You had to go because you love your country so much you don't want to leave, but you must go, right? And now you're a refugee, right? So uh, the chances of coming to the States as a refugee is like a 1% chance of 100. And man, you don't understand how many, there's so much refugees all over the world. The United States, what they did was they worked with the United Nations, they created this uh, department called UNICEF. And UNICEF, what they do is like they'll come in, they had they have this army. If you guys have seen like documentaries, there's like UNICEF has this army of like they have like these soldiers that have like the blue hat helmets. That's UNICEF, right? That's the military of United Nations, right? So that department deals with third world countries like security purposes and when it comes to refugee giving out food they work with the red cross uh red cross for medicals and all that stuff right so the united the unicef unicef had to come to zimbabwe and what they did was uh and they came in uh, i think they were there still but when we were refugee we were like from 2001 to two no we were refugee for 2001 to 2000 and i think yeah 2006 until i came here right so but what they did was they would come in and they would have a list of people, like NATO countries would come in and say, hey, uh, we need this amount of people to this country to go to Australia. We need this amount of people to go to London, this amount of people to go to this place, right? And so basically what happens if, they, if there's a list of people who have been sitting in this refugee camp for 20, 30 years, man, like, and they have just been waiting for that moment for somebody to just call your family. And when you when they call your family, you have to go to this, like, it's like an interview. It's like a job interview, right? It's who are you guys? Uh, what do you guys do? How do you guys get here? Are you guys healthy? Let's do a medical checkup. Let's do all that stuff. And if you fail the medical checkup, you're held back. Like, it's just basic stuff like that, right? So it was incredible. Uh, so during this time while we are going through this process, we also had to leave the country. Uh, the refugee camp, they will make you go uh, three miles into the city, into a city called Harare. That was the capital city of Zimbabwe, right? And then, uh, so we'll go there into the city and then we'll actually go to the office and actually like dress up really well and like get interviewed and then your parents will prep you up. Like, all right, again, they're going to ask you these questions. Okay, this is how you answer the questions. Okay, and like, so now the goal was, as if you did not even have, you, as if your story was not a worse, right? Like there's people who had worse stories than you. So, but then 
what they were thinking, like they, were, they thought they were choosing people based on the worst stories. So people who were just like making the story worse and worse and worse as if it wasn't worse already, right? You know, it's like the, the guy with the worst story had a better chance. Like top of the day, I was like, it's like mind blowing, man. Um, so when we started doing this, these interviews, I also had my mom kind of picked up a job as well to sew uh, in, in the city. So we lived in this little um to literally two room home like this big, like one of this room. It was me, uh, my older brother, my older sister, my little brother slept in one room. And that room that we slept in, it was the living room and the kitchen as well. Uh, and we kind of slept on the floor. And dad and mom were in the other room. That was like the massive room. <laughs> so when we woke up early and then that room was the kitchen and the living room and the visiting and visitors would come in and like that same room. So uh, we had a little place like that in the city. And in Zimbabwe, all the schools, you have to wear uniform to go to school. So it was kind of like British colonized, right? So like that's how it was established. So we had to learn English. I was going to school. And there was a moment where mom wasn't able to pay for school. So... Uh, and I remember this moment and she came home, she's like, guys, you can't go to school tomorrow because I can't, I, I'm not in pay. You know, back then, if you don't pay, we just up school fees. If you don't pay school fees, it's over. Right. And, uh, and you guys call them principals here. We call them headmasters, <laughs> you know? And then, so like, I was like, oh no, man. It's like, I'm going to go talk to the headmaster. I put, the next day I woke up the next day in the morning and I put a tie on. And then uh, I would, like, go to school. Mom was like, where are you going? Like, where did Albert go? I was like, he went to school. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, they're going to kick him out. Like, So I went, I went to the headmaster's office, and I sat down. I was like, hey, listen, uh, uh, I know, like, we can't pay uh, school fees right now and all that stuff. He's like, but I promise you, he's like, you like art, and you haven't found any kid that draws really good art. He's like, I'm going to be your artist. I'll draw all the coolest animals, whatever you want. They're going to be a huge portrait. You can put them in your office. So I learned how to draw in like in a month. Like I said, I started paying my, my tuition. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's what I started. Literally just learned a skill so that you can yeah, continue yeah, getting to an education. School. Yeah. So, uh, so when we left Zimbabwe, yeah. So when we got chosen, we left Zimbabwe and... Uh, I went to medical uh, when uh, I think it was in late 2005. It was in December. You do a medical checkup. You do work for a couple months, and it'll give you a couple. It'll give you a couple cash, like a hundred bucks each. It was a lot of money. Like we would just go. Every kid would get like a hundred bucks to like prep up. Like he's like, okay, buy some luggage, buy some clothes, something to prep you up for the trip to go to this new country, right? So. Uh, Anyways, uh, I failed my medical exam, <laughs> and you guys know what that means, <laughs> right? So we, the plan was like, we're going to Australia. Man, we were so excited, like, yes! So my turn, I went over there, and the doctor came out. I was like, no, Albert has not actually been well this whole time. Like, he doesn't, he's, uh, I had a nutrition, uh, I had a problem with my nutrient deficiency. Uh, like, I could, I didn't have, like, enough, uh, I needed blood transfusion. You know, my blood was drying out because I wasn't eating well. Right, I was like so energetic. I was doing so many things, but I wasn't getting the yeah. right food. So uh, I needed blood transfusion, <laughs> and but it takes three weeks to get blood transfusion. Uh, and also, where are you gonna get the money? You know, because the money that you guys have is what you guys are gonna buy some clothes with, right? So it's like, oh. so my parents were, they were just very disappointed. They were like, 
everyone in the family hated me. They were like, oh my God. Yeah, they were like pissed. Mom was like, okay, you guys can go. I'm going to stay with Albert and we're going to find a way to get to you guys. Like she was actually bothered for my family. It was just like, now, nah, man, like they were like, man, this is why we always tell you to do this and do that. Because like, it's, it's the moment, guys. It's the moment that's going to like change your life. And you have your little brother stopping you. And you're like, oh my God, man. Like, you're like, like you can stay. We'll come back for you. Like, you know what I mean? It was that moment, man. Uh, so uh, there's a doctor from England. I forgot her name, man. Uh, she was doing my examination. And then she's like, hey, uh, she talked to my parents. Like, I know you guys don't have money, but uh, I'll talk to UNICEF. And then I remember I was in the hospital bed. Oh, no, they just came picking up, like, hey, Albert, uh, come over here. We're going to go to the hospital. So we went to, like, this cool, like, all the hospital closed early. What did this, like, I knew it was a fancy hospital because it's it's one of those neighborhoods that, like, you always dreamed about going to, but you're like, that's not my place. So we went to that neighborhood. It was, like, a private hospital. And we got over there, and um, I saw Dad with a bag of money. Like, it was, like, a huge bag of money. Back in Zimbabwe, if you guys have heard of inflection, like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, we used to buy bread for, like, $120,000, right? You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> So, like, it was a huge bag of money, and he just passed in front of my room. I was laying in the bed. I was like, what is happening? Like, you know, and then he just passed. He talked to doctors, and then, like, the doctors came. Everybody was just, like, talking, and, like, mom was just, like, next to me. She was, like, crying every night. Uh, and uh, and I got, like, I think it was, like, four packs of, yeah, four of those bags of uh, blood, fresh blood, man, in me. And so we missed the trip uh, to go to Australia. So, but the doctor came back, and uh, so mom, that's what my, everybody was like, hey, let's take it for Albert. There's nothing. We're just going to have to hope. So she went to uh, UNICEF, and she's like, hey, listen, we have this family. It's a huge family. This is what's going on. Can this, at least, can you guys move them to the next trip, uh, whichever, what, whichever that trip was? <laughs> you know, it just happened to be the United States. Wow. And that was Lexington? That was Lexington, Kentucky. That's amazing. That's, that's just that's, such a crazy background. Like my, I look back at my childhood and like you had a, three lifetimes of experience compared to what most of us in America have had. And that's just crazy to hear, hear that all laid out. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah, man. that's awesome. wild. All right. So during that story, you kind of mentioned your mom mm -hmm. getting into sewing. Mm -hmm. Talk about how you got into fashion. Was that your avenue into fashion? Because your mom was into that sort of stuff or where did that enter your life? Fashion, man. I don't even think about it. But I'll tell you this, man. I'll tell you a story. When I was a young kid, we had nothing better to do, man. Uh, every morning when there was no school, this is like summertime maybe or whatever, uh, but uh, uh, we would wait for the sunrise and we would all sit there because it, like, it for some reason it was always cold you know, in Africa, right, in, in the morning. So we get up, like we wait for that sunrise to come in. It would like hit our skin. We get up vitamin D, whatever. And then so, but we used to like, we we're all barefoot because we couldn't afford shoes. So what I started doing with my friends, like I started playing this game. I was like, listen, uh, hey, Logan, lift your foot up. Let's see the shadow of your foot. Like, and, and see like we can, and then like what that, so when you lift your foot up, that shadow, on the ground of your foot did not look like your foot looked like a shoe. And then so we started playing this game. We're like, let's see who the one with the better shoe 
is the guy like the, he's like that's the guy who's gonna win so we started like playing with like doing different angles like oh this is a Timberlands man like I love this Timberlands like look at mine this is what I want to have man I want Timberlands and then the other guy would do like yeah man these are, mine is a Nike have you ever heard of Nike it's like these are mine mine is a Nike like in there so I've, I, I created that imagination in my friends right I was like hey like because clothes we had like maybe two outfits some of them had holes in them mom was a tailor so she patched them up a little bit and would iron the crap on them but still look clean because we were like the girls are out there you know but like, they had like, all these patches on your shirts but you still look clean man like that's what mattered so I love that you know uh so I didn't even know what the heck I was doing mom would send me this was in Bible mom would send me to buy tomatoes and she'd give me exact money she'd give me the exact money to buy like five tomatoes no change right but I always came back with a banana or orange Right, she's like, she and she like yell at me, like, where did you get the banana from? You know, like, so I'll go over there and I negotiate with these 60 old ladies, and I was like 12, 13, and I'll negotiate, like, listen, like, you wanna have a long term customers? Like, me, mom is gonna make soup today, tomorrow, like, every day, and her friends are coming over, I'm gonna tell them. You got the best tomatoes. Only if you give me a couple bananas. Like, you know, like, that's what I started doing. So they're like, ah, do we, it worked, you know. So what I started doing is I started, like, bringing them customers. And I started getting free stuff. Like bananas, oranges, and I'll give them to my friends. I was that cool kid, right? So I was, I didn't even know what the heck I was doing, right? So I just felt like I wanted to get something and I figured it away. And so um, mom... Throughout this whole process, she went to school to design. She went to school uh, to uh, tailor, and she loved it very much. It was a passion. And I go to her as class, and then like she give me these big cookies. We used to call them pojos. If everyone, anyone who's from Congo knows about pojos, are these these bad cookies? You can't chew on it. You just have to like, li- you just have to literally like uh, eat it like an ice cream, you know, because they're so big, right? But they were the most delicious cookies ever. And it's just you give it to me, and I'll stop crying. But then, yes, but I want, I like to go to her class because she had all girls. You know what I mean? Like, oh, girls class. And so I just sit there and I eat my cookies and I look at all these girls. I don't know why, man. It was weird. Uh, but uh, I was a weird kid. So I was around that back home in Zimbabwe when we had to actually contribute on help her at some point because, you know, hey, um, I got to cut this fabrics can you put some buttons on there so every night when we're watching a movie i'm like watching a movie i'm putting buttons on there you know like mom is like okay go ahead and press it now. i'll press it i don't even know what i was just like i'm just having mom i don't know what i'm doing you know we gotta eat tomorrow man uh so uh with that's been said mom was always very straight with how we dressed how we looked like appearances everything dress put your pants put your pants up iron your clothes and uh, so we are always perceived as our family that dresses well, well, that's well educated and straight, right? So I, w- I had to maintain that, uh, but I just took it a little bit too far to where when I when we came to the state, uh, I went to middle school. Here. I went to modern middle school, uh, and then I was always dressed like that, like just like clean and all that stuff. And I went to high school, went to high school, and I've always always that attitude. So my friends are like, hey, everybody. This is back in two thousand and six, two thousand seven. People were like sagging their pants all the time. I was like, I came in, I did it for like a couple months, and I was like, mom kind of yelled at me, dad beat me up a little bit, and then I was like, I came back, went back to putting my pants up. 
Uh, and uh, so my friends started asking for advice, you know, like, hey, uh, what should I wear, man? Like, how did you, where'd you get that from? They'll give me like baggy pants. And I would like, the next day, it'll be the same baggy pants, but it's all fitted to my clothes. They're like, how, how did you do that? Like, you know what I mean? Because they're like, hey, I don't, I don't need this anymore because this is too big. And the next day, it'll be tailored to my body. So they were very confused. Uh, so I started doing stuff like that. And uh, when we came to America, we had a soccer mom. Her name was Penny Jones. And they were from Texas. And uh, they had a, a son. His name was Murphy Jones. I passed away that year when we came to America. So she took me in. And uh, I became like a, I became a second son. And uh, so I was wearing things like zero soccer pants. So I was the freshest guy in, in high school again, right? Like, like everything, the, every lettuce thing, vineyard vine. I was like this refugee. Where we, we, I don't even know what the heck I was wearing, you know? Like it had the, when you buy a shirt, it came with that, the band that you put around your glasses. Like it had that pink band, like with the little, uh, yeah. What are those called? Um, croaky. Yeah, yeah, you came with cookies, every shirt, man. It was amazing. So uh, girls loved it in high school. And then uh, they did this little thing. And then, like, they voted me as the best-dressed high school kid. And I was like, what is going on? Like, this is weird. So that's I started realizing that people were asking me for too much advice. And they wanted to, hey, I want to dress like you. You always dress well. But I never understood what that was. So, yeah. So if you were to explain fashion to somebody, it sounds like you could just kind of like yeah, almost it's kind of a lifestyle is like kind of just part of your life. Like, would yeah. you describe fashion as a way to express yourself? Like if you were to describe fashion to somebody, yeah. how would you how would you do that? I think, yeah, I think fashion like uh, it's something that uh, kind of is a form of expression yourself. Like you said, right, it's it's something that, you know, you could wear something as simple like a sport jacket. But if and if that sport jacket doesn't fit right and it's just like uh, somebody told you to put it on you just kind of like are down and just can't wait to get it off you know what i mean but when it's fitted to your body it's beautiful you pick the outfit you like everything is great and every time you walk outside you know old ladies younger younger young girls mostly in, in kentucky don't want anything the older ladies will they'll be like <laughs> oh my gosh you look so handsome but they all if you want to hit up on the younger girls but they will just look at you and they won't say anything like ah damn it this is not that it doesn't feel really good they don't say anything Thing. so yeah so uh it's a way to create confidence it's it's a personality it's it's a lifestyle right a yeah. lot of people uh down because you know I, I gotta go to work and put on this tie again i hate my life right because maybe they don't like ties and so i would say fashion uh there's a difference between fashion and like style as well because fashion is something it can be it can be like fast fashion it could be a trend uh it could be something that just like exotic and crazy but for me i wanted uh style i wanted something that would kind of uh change uh let's say a def uh break the lifespan of what fashion is right something you know people still wear suit people wearing suit since what the day of time right so it's like it just tricks a little bit but it stays the same and i wanted to create that yeah you know yeah, and so talk about like the beginnings of Albert Couture. Like what what led up to that 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 whole story of oh the, that gosh. being started. Man, I've had so much jobs, man. I've had so many jobs since high school, man, cuz I I've always the 9 to 5 job is not hasn't been my thing. I remember I had a job at Amazon. I want to 
die. Like I was like, why do people do this? You know, and so I I I got into sales. Uh, I remember my first uh, uh, introduction to sales was at MLN company <laughs> because, and then it was called Vimer. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Vimer Verve, Vimer Verve. It's an energy drink. And you, to get in, you had to get like, it was like a kind of like a pyramid scheme thing, like get people or whatever. And like everybody had to pay like 500 bucks. And I was just having to be really good at it. I don't know what happened. I was getting this high kids like, listen, you pay 500 bucks. And like, this is it. I, I would like explain to me. I had this little weird, I, I, the same accent, you know what I mean? People like, oh, this guy knows what the heck he's talking about. And I was dressed properly. So uh, I, I started doing that and the company kind of went broke. Then everything kind of disappeared. I was spending a lot of money. So, but so I was... I got, I got, it's kind of like a little small peak of an addiction of like what it, it is like to make money without having to work nine to five. And then I saw, I was like, man, I'm going to do sales. So I started selling these vacuum machines called Kirby's. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of them. A lot of people have done something like Kirby's. Oh my gosh. I we know Kirby's. So, uh. I was like, it's the Kentucky Mountains selling Viking machines for like $3,000, $1,000 to this lady. He's like, get out of my pouch. We don't like it kind of, yeah. Like, oh and I was like, but with me, I was like, hey, listen, let me tell you, I'm going to get out. If you, Let me see your shock. Let me see your shock. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I could have been shot easily, you know what I mean? But, you know, but for me, I didn't see race. I didn't see color. I, 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 I felt like I had a better product than them. I think I could, I saw value that I could give them. And some of them went up from, get out my Porsche. I'm like, okay, come on in and have some sweet tea, right? You know what I mean? So it happened. I was able to do that. I uh, did that. I also worked in hospitals. I was able, I was a transporter at Baptist Health. And uh, uh, the one right here on Nicholas Road. <laughs> and that's when I was dating this girl. And then I was supposed to go to med school. And she was like, if you go to med school, if you don't go to med school, I'll break up with you, type of deal. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do cardiology, but I need some hospital hours. So I was moving, transporting patient. And uh, usually the people that are transported, it just happened to be like, hey, I'm transporting this person to CT. And then I got to go pick up somebody that just died, you know, in room 128, you know what I mean? So one thing I started doing, I realized I was like, man, like I was traumatized by death. And until I started doing this work, right? And I was like, wow, like, I'll see like pieces of people's bodies. But it is, that's his hospital. That's like, that's what people, doctors see all the time. So for me, I was like, okay, that's what life is all about. I was like, but I need to get something from this job. So I started asking patients, I think, I don't know if this was illegal. I don't know. I don't know the, the right. So, but it was, I was asking them like three questions. Like, what are your three biggest regrets? Right. And then I started taking notes. I have a whole book of, so I will hang out with those old people. They'll tell us about, hey, I, I, I wasted too much time making money and I, my wife, this. So this is how you make money. I was talking to lawyers, attorneys, business people, brokers, anyone you could name, right? I, I took notes and they taught me finance. They taught me how to build businesses because they're on the deathbed. They want to tell me everything. You know what I mean? I'm just taking notes. And they're like, I'm, you got to go to my mother and pick up this other guy. I'm like, I'm coming. And I'm like taking notes. And so, and the next I'll come back and like, you know, put them in the body bag, you know. So that taught me a lot about life. So all these jobs that I had, uh, uh, I, but I wanted always to work for myself. But I did not know how I wanted to do it. 
right? So I went back to like every time I'm out with my friends, I'm like having a beer or whatever, we're like all drunk. And they're like, Gabby, you always dress so nice. I'm like, oh, it's like, you need to start a shop. I'm like, yeah, no, man, I'm not gonna do no shop, man. And then like, it was like that, it started off and uh, it started off with beers, you know, just talking about things that I, you know, most people would held when they were sober, but when they're drunk, they'll just spill the beans. And then I, and I just started listening to it. I was like, maybe I need to learn about this. And uh, but I didn't know anything. I, not in my family. No one does business around me. Like, how do you find that entrepreneur? How do you find that? I didn't even know Awesome Inc. So it's like, so what else I started doing? I was like, I wrote a story that I told you guys. I wrote a letter. I, I, I just started Googling people. Like, I was like, business people around me. <laughs> like, I started doing stuff like that and uh, go on Facebook. And then I just sent them all. I sent emails it was over i think it's a little bit over 400 emails or 500 emails right just random people that i've never met and just explaining what my story was who i am now and where i want to go and uh so that took up and uh a couple guys responded i mean <laughs> talking about converter to conversion right and you said three you said 400 emails you get like three replies good sold so it only yeah. takes that one though yeah Huh? It only takes that one, though. He took that one, man, into Santa Monica, California. And I told him, I was like, Mom, uh, I'm going to Santa Monica, California. Like, why? Who do you know over there? I'm like, well, I know this friend I just made up. I was like, uh, uh, but this guy came back. He said, yeah, man, I'll teach you business. Come over here, and I'll, I'll mentor you. I was like, I don't know what kind of business it was. It like sex trafficking business. I, but I was like, let's do it. Like whatever. I want to learn. I want to learn. You know. So I was very open minded. I flew to California. Uh, I saved up my money from warehouses and all these jobs, side jobs, and I uh, flew to California and uh, saved these guys for a week. They were driving Lamborghinis. Uh, I was just around people who were very successful. I saw Chris Brown for the first time. I was like, Chris, wow. Chris Brown, like, he just passed by with his Lamborghini. And I was like, what is like what's going on, right? So for me, it was like a shock in my mind. I've never seen that in my life before. and uh, But I created that. Right. So when I was around there, man, I took hella freaking notes. Uh, and it's like one thing when you go back home, you have to read a book every single day, a new book. So, man, I came back home, dropped out of college, took my money, started buying books, just started reading. And, uh, and uh, they taught me, they said, this is what you do. So being able to find a passion and turn into something, package it so well, and create a business from it. That's a hard thing for people. They were able to educate me on that and say, this is what you do. You don't even know that you do it. And this is and this is what you've been doing from tomatoes and all that stuff. How do you put that together yeah. and create a high-ticket product and high-service that people actually need, right? And, uh, and offer more value than what they're giving you for their money. And... Albert and that was Couture. Albert Couture. Albert Couture was born. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. Uh, you got story after story. <laughs> we might we might have to just do a whole podcast series here. We're gonna break it out. Not just one episode. Yeah, is it really? Oh, oh that's man. fine. Uh, uh, what talk about like the mission of Albert Couture? Um, you know, your your fashion. You say fashion label. though you said? Right. Yeah, yeah, fashion label yeah. here in Lexington, Kentucky. What what do you see it becoming? What's your mission for the company? What's your goal? Man, mission goals. All right, uh, I don't write my goals down because I feel like I set my limit when I write my goals. 
Uh, so I like to. Uh, I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard that? I've heard that that said before. Yeah. It makes sense though. Yeah, because I once I hit it, I become comfortable. I've realized that, and I've done it. But uh, with Albert Couture, man, and I do the same thing in the company as well. Like, and uh, people ask me like, why Lexington, Kentucky? Why not LA, New York, all that? I was like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, why not? Like. Look at my like look at my life. Everything is so scary. I traveled the road less traveled, and uh, I mean most weird and dangerous. Like, I of course I'm gonna do a brand here opposed to New York. Uh, so I I think Kentucky bourbon, uh, and I think Kingland. I think Albert Couture on the same level. You know, I said let's bring New York to Kentucky. Why not? You know yeah. what I mean? Like let them come to our turf. And meet us at our turf. This is, I mean, I'm a Kentucky man, man, you know, I'm a Kentucky bone man, so I'm ready to do that. So, uh, my goals with Albert Kuto uh, is, uh, is a lifestyle, is uh, working with brands, and uh, uh, you know, how you like, you guys watch TV. It's like, oh, I'm watching a Mercedes commercial. It's like, okay, this dude is driving Mercedes, New York City. Ugh. I'm, I'm Kentucky born. It would drive Chevys, right? That's right, right? You know what I mean? But it's like, I can relate. I'm not from New York. So being able to get these brands to understand the typical clientele here in town and uh, and to say, hey, a guy that was Albert Couture drives a Mercedes uh, here in Lexington, like in road and things that are familiar to people so people can relate. So my goal is to partner up with brands like Rufo Reserve, Four Roses, Audi, Lexington, Mercedes, whatever, and say, hey, guys, uh, this is Albert Guto's goal, selling a lifestyle. What does Albert do? Like, what is it like to drive? You know what I mean? And what, where does it go? What does it go? Where does it hang out at? You know, and saying like, hey, the guy who's here in Lexington, you know, who wears fairies or whatever, can be that too. It's because it's right here in your backyard, right? So uh, a lot of Guys, you, you know, you guys did not, you had like Joseph A. Bank, which I've worked for. I met Logan there. Uh, and I wanted to work for Joseph A. Bank because I wanted to understand this cool place that everybody goes. I, I said, this is a place to go get sued. And I went, when I went there, you know, it wasn't like, I was like, my gosh, so much to be taught, right? But I, I wanted the lowest job that we're not hiring. I was folding clothes and I wanted to test myself to say, hey, I, if I don't become a manager in six months here, I, I can't do my store. I'm not ready. So three months, I, was, uh, I started managing this store, right? Uh, but I was changing everything. And, you know, these guys who come in, they're used to, I'm going to buy a shirt. It's all folded and wrinkled. And they would just open it in the back and then back home and try to iron it and put it on very quickly. They jacket alterations. Like they were just like, I'm in a leg here and here, but they had no idea. So they just thought that's what it is. So for me, when I came in, I wanted to run like I was running Albert Couture, but under someone else's ticket, which is I recommend every entrepreneur to do this. before that's such they start. great advice. Yeah before, oh yeah, before they start their business, work for that competitor or whoever that guy may be to you. Make all the mistakes on them. Like, and don't walk in with the attitude, get the lowest job. That way you can see every single level of that level. And then when you rise, you understand every level, right? So I was on a personal level with these guys, you know, I would text them, let them know. Like, he didn't have to text me back and ask me. I was like, hey, Logan, this is what's going on with your product. Uh, hey, uh, I'm going to, hey, did you get Logan's product pressed? Hey, uh, go ahead. And, uh, he's, he's got a shirt. Can you untuck it, press it, 
put on the rack on the hanger that way he just puts it on right stuff like that right and so now what happens is like some clients started tipping me they'll pay like a thousand dollars in clothing they'll tip me like two hundred dollars but a company did not have a policy of tipping so they're like uh I guess lunch is on you, Albert. Like they did not, <laughs> yeah. So they did not know what to do, and uh, and because to them it was just a job. Watch a couple of video, and then start feeding people in mirrors. And uh, I was never trained at all. Uh, I just, of course, I had. Uh, I came in. I was able to do the hand myself, do all that stuff. A lot of managers did not know how to do that, so they couldn't solve problems. They would just send you to corporate, like, hey, here's a corporate number, call them, and then if you're not happy with our service. So for me, I was able to walk them outside, talk about it. It's like, what do you need? You need a ham done? I'm going to do it right now. And it, by the way, I'm going to do the ham, and I'm going to give you 50% of your money back. So I was able to do, because I understood that. Uh, with them, it was a numbers game because they had, shareholders for me it was personal because i was the face that i you saw every day yeah right so uh and i was able to uh change things up a little bit uh and until i think now they closed down yeah, yeah. but uh, i want to tell the story of us meeting just because yeah, it was ahead. such an experience yeah for yeah me. yeah go ahead so i get this sports coat for christmas and you know i've up until meeting you i it was a sports coat like you said I didn't have that confidence of putting it on. It didn't fit me that well. Right. And I just walk in to get a normal alteration done on it. Mm -hmm. And just the way you handled the whole interaction, you made me feel like I was your best friend just from the start. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that kind of struck me was you were talking about Albert Couture. You texted me You texted me personal updates about yeah. what was going on with my, my jacket. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, you've told all these stories. It's kind of hard to believe that you've crammed so much into – how old are you, actually? 27. You're 27 wow. years old. Yeah. You've crammed like three lifetimes Wait, how, of experience. How old did you guys think I was? I mean, about that, I guess. <laughs> around that. But yeah, 27, 27. That's a, sorry, that's a weird question yeah, to ask. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it really does feel like you've yeah. crammed three yeah. lifetimes of yeah. experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason I say that is because one of the stories you told or one of the things you were telling me when uh, you were fitting me up for this jacket was yeah. how you were traveling around for Albert yeah. Couture and like yeah. finding the best materials yeah. and stuff for yes. your business yeah which one i don't even know where you squeeze that in and yeah. all this other stuff you're yeah doing. Uh, so i just i just say that because i want to hear you talk a little bit about you traveling around to all these different places to yeah. find these materials for yeah Albert man i uh, mean I, I think uh with our guitar like yeah i'm gonna put your questions together and finish yours it's yeah. like um uh, uh i so i reverse engineered it you know, I went back to that kid in Africa again when I was sleeping and I was leaving my little foot up and like, ah, that's the shit I want to have. So I had this dream like of these guys coming in, man, like just seeing the confident with these guys, man. They're like, and I'll put, you in, I'll put them in the wall. I'm like, listen, guys, like Logan, this jacket's not feel like this. I know what I need to do. Like, listen, if I can't do this, I'll give you money back. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he's like, yeah, I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, I was like, move, 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 move. Let's get it done. I know what I need to do. Right. So because I was trained, I was I was born around that. Right. So a lot of people did not have that. A lot of people it was just a job. But I feel like this is more personal because these guys work out for their money is more higher kind of clientele people, lawyers, you know, people like that were working at Joseph A. Bank, not to do any like mess, you know, dilute their brand, but you know, it's a good brand, but it wasn't what I was wanted for like for myself. So uh for me it was um 
when I saw what Albuquerque was going to be like it should be, uh, it was more of a place that people come and intertwine with each other, with, uh, you know, socially hang out and build that confidence, right? When you walk out of Albuquerque, I want you to go and talk to that girl that you're going to talk to, like, listen, man, like, I'm going to go talk to the best girl in the club, and I'm going to give me a godfather, you know, old-fashioned, you know, not a Jack and da- Jack and Coke, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, it was one of those things because I, I saw it. I saw girls who were really well put together in town. They worked hard by guys who were kind of like loose back. And it's not, there's nothing wrong about it. It was more like there was nothing that you guys could go by, you know what I mean? Like Joseph Bank was a place your dad went to, not what you went to, right? You know what I mean? And so... Now, uh, and I was like, my, how can I create this? How can I create the best with no money starting up? How do you start a high-end fashion brand with no money, right? It's like, uh, you need money. Like, you know, nobody, like, you need invest. I, I don't know how to raise money. I don't know how to do this, anything. So I, I remember I wrote a business plan. I learned how to do business plan. I went to BB&T, and I was like, I have a business plan. now. This is my idea. I want to raise money. They're like, they're like, they laughed me out, man. They're like, uh, it's like, no, nah, man. It's like, you can't give me no money. Like, I was, they were just having a, they were at the water fountain. They were just drinking water. Like, no, nah, man, we can't see it. I'm sorry. And I was like, it hurt me so bad. So it created this monster in me. I was like, I'm going to show them that I'm going to do this. So worked, 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 saved every single minimum wage cash. And I was paying my bills. And I had a girlfriend, right? And I had student loans. And I had to create this business. <laughs> so, like, it's crazy once you find something. Like, when you get to that level where you'd be surprised how far you can go when you find the right motivation. And so uh, I saved up this money to go to four countries in Europe uh, and one week, right? And I had less time. And I needed to find – I met these guys for the first time. And I needed to negotiate my deal with them and come back home. I couldn't come back home and fly again because I couldn't afford it. So I needed to get the deal done, right? And I, 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 one country was Italy. I don't speak Italian. <laughs> so how am I going to do that? I don't know. Uh, one, the other country was Spain. I was in Brussels. And then I was uh, London. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyways... So what happened was I Googled these guys. I did my research. Do your research if you're an entrepreneur, please. Uh, it's important. You know, take your time to understand the industry. And then so when I flew there, I would come in and I will land and I will meet up with you, Logan. And you speak Italian, I speak English, and I'm trying to, like, use these little words in French. And, like, that would be kind of something that correlate. And I'm like, but I'm like, hey, my name is Albert I, and Logan I, and I work for Albert Couture. Uh, Abracuto is a high-end brand. It's uh, on the southern eastern side of the United States. It's like, if you heard of her, Kentucky, talk. And I'm like, no, I like, okay, it's perfect. This is a good timing for you then. I represent the brand. Uh, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the direct designer. And uh, I'm sent here to find fabrics and find the right manufacturers to work with. And they're like, so who are you again? It's like, uh, it's like how long have you guys been in business? It's like, well, I just got hired on last year. But... Uh, yeah, so right now we are working on finding some. Uh, we're looking for this, we're looking for that. So I'll just take a question, answer that with the questions or whatever. And then they're like, well, uh, starting right, uh, these this, this manufacturers or manufacturers that work for Gucci, like Jessica Bunny and these guys. So they get signed on like $30 million starting off to do a line. So I'm there, I'm like dressed up in a suit. Again, appearances, 
everything in perceptions, guys. So I'm sitting there, I'm dressed really well, I'm put together again from the young age, and now it's starting to rip off, right? So I'm sitting there in Italy, in Napoli, and these guys are looking at me, they ask me questions like, do you know about the lapel? I say, I know about the lapel, this is how it's on, and this and this and that. And I'm like, I know, I knew my stuff, man. I did my study. So they're like, okay, okay. Okay, my friend. He's like, well, uh, tell your boss this is how much it's going to be a unit. I'm like, give me a second. I walk outside and I'll, I'll like act like I'm talking on the phone and I'll come back. And like, what well, he said, this is too high, you know, but, but he's like, but that's too, he's like, well, that's what we got. I'm like, well, he's going to go see this guy. I'll name like all the competitors. Like he's going to go see this guy, this guy, and this guy, and this guy here in town because they offered us a better deal. So, I mean, this is a better chance for you. And they're like, oh, you know this guy? You know this guy? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, fine, 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 fine. This is what we're going to do for you. I said, like, cool. It's like starting up, you guys have to prove to us that you guys are the, yeah, that quality and we can't pay for anything, right? We're only going to pay for shipping. So they made a couple free samples, right? These samples are like $2,000 each and all that stuff. I didn't pay any money. I just paid for the shipping. Just look at the quality. And I went to Spain. I did the same thing with my shoe manufacturers because I knew what the company wanted to be, like should have been or should be or will be. And I was able to share that story and bring it to life right there on the negotiation table and use that as leverage, right? Which is like, it's like your, it's like a shell company basically. That you, but you know, they were able to buy into the story. Well, it's your vision. Into it's like vision. what you're selling. Yeah. You know, it's like you're selling your vision and what you want it to become. Exactly. Right? And, and so, yeah, and that's a pitch you can make. You know, if you're confident about it and you care enough about it, they don't know it's not real, but to you it is. It was, and yeah. I was passionate, and they yeah. saw the emotions, they saw all that stuff. So, uh, uh, and uh, I did that, and you know, my girlfriend was so tired and pissed. She was like, let's go get gelatos. I'm like, I don't have time. So she just stayed at the hotel and slept. I was like running around with the Italians, trying to do business and all that stuff in Italy. I've never even been. I was getting lost and stuff. I, like, I couldn't read anything, but I'm there to do business. Like, we got to execute it because I got to fly again. I got to go to Spain. And I was in Valencia. I did the same thing. It was amazing. I never got a chance to experience the whole country. The only time I experience is I, I'm a runner. That's how I relieve my stress. Wake up in the morning, I'll go for a jog, like two mile, three mile jog. And that's when I see the sun. That's how I think. And I'll come back home and and uh, and, uh, and take a shower and go and kill. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the dream. And Albert Couture's uh, whole goal is to be the main brand in Kentucky. Uh, is to change how men shop uh, and uh, and how you uh, you guys perceive clothing. Uh, and Nolikit is just a price. It's it's an investment. Something that lasts longer. Something that you can probably pass down to your kids. Opposed to something I'm just buying a clothes. I'm, I need to go to this wedding. I don't really care. I just need to pay this much, right? And having a service that kind of follows up with you, and that gives you more value for that service, right? Uh, and say, hey, listen, uh, you're our to a client. You know, you can go to Tony's. This is what you're gonna, you know, like they understand the respect that they honor that in different ways. Uh, you can go to this dry cleaners. I wanted that service. I wanted you to come in and not just flip around off the rack. I wanted you to hang around with me. I get to know me, get to know you. It's a friendship thing. Have a drink. Uh, we have this, I have this like, all my clients have spent like big ticket guys, $5,000 in clothing and all that stuff. They'll get $400 more head bottle with them, right? You know, champagne. They're just like, oh, like, but they were like, they're always like shocked. I don't like, oh, this is what you're going to get. That's not like a selling point for me. For me is to get them to understand that this is, this is, you, you deserve this. Uh, this is the best quality in the world, uh, you know, but it's right here in Lexington. I mean, we got the, 
host best host races in town, man, you know, in the world. And why not have something that goes with it that complements the guys as well, you know? Yeah. For sure. How did you um so base one ten, Tim Guthrie. Yeah. You know, how did you get connected with them? Because we've had Tim on here. We've also had Randall Stevens, the other owner of Base One Ten. Yeah. So let's connect those dots here. Oh for our my gosh, it's weird. Uh, uh for me it was like, hey, let's do business. It started off like that, but uh I don't know. I've always I was looking for space uh when I met you, Logan. And I think I, I told you that briefly. I was like, hey, I'm so, he's like, uh, when is it, you're like, where is it going to be? I'm like, ah, oh, I'm looking for space, right? It's probably going to be around somewhere downtown. I, I, I say the word downtown for so long till it became so real. Like, right? Because I was like, for me, I just needed space. Like, but I, need, I kept saying downtown, 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 to where every client, every attorney, everybody knew that Albuquerque was going to be downtown. I didn't even know where it was going to be, right? So for me, it was like, uh, when I heard about Base 110, it was like very weird. Somebody said, hey, uh, Base 110, whatever, this, is and that, right? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, this guy, so I looked him up. I, I went, they see, they see have this thing called meetups, yeah. right, over yeah. there in third floor. And I'll go to like business meetups. Like, what is this place? Like, I was like, what? The, why do I have all these rooms? Like, it, it was weird. Uh, so... And when I met up with Tim, I was like, hey, my name is this. This is what I want to do. He's like, yeah. He's, he's like, he looked at me. He's like, yeah, let's meet up. So I went to his office and he had this brown couch. And I told him I told him my idea. I told him what I wanted to do. I was like, listen, I promise I'll be out here. I just client. I wanted them to have a, a place for them to come in and get fitted. Something small. I don't honestly don't care. It's like, yeah, sure. It's like, I've never heard of that proposal before because, like, everyone here is more, like, office space and you want to have, like, an actual, like, showroom. Like, that's interesting. But it's like, yeah, that's what actually we were thinking about doing for baseball. And so it's perfect timing. And then so one time I was home, I posted something on Facebook about my soccer mom that passed away with breast cancer and her son. I was like, hey, uh, today was the day that she passed away. Uh, so, you know, uh you know, what, which I'm just thinking about her and her son and all these other people. And Tim replied back, he's like, hey, I know her. I, it's like I was in Boy Scout with her husband, and I know I knew Matthew, uh, Murphy Jones because I was, uh, you know, he was in, in Boy Scout with my, my kid and all that stuff. And I was like, what? He's like, I probably have seen you before. And then I was like, yeah, you have. If you've gone to Miss Jones and you've seen all this African kid in there, you know, like that's me, you know. Uh, so he's like, oh, so we became this. Uh, and there was an emotional connection there. So the next time I saw him, it was like way, way different, you know. Uh, that's when covered here. Uh, and he was, he gave me a space. It's a small space. The fifth floor, I'm on the fifth floor of Base Fontaine. So it was like messed up. It was raggedy, dusty. And then he's like, come over and take a look. I looked at it and I was with my girlfriend. Uh, and uh, he's like, what, what, what would you like to be? I'm like, um, I was like, I like this. I picked this little room. I was not confident. And I was like, I think I like this. I just wanted anything. You know what I mean? No, my girlfriend looked at me. She's like, uh-uh. It's like, no, you're not taking that. It's like your clients, uh, you want to have this clientele. So I think you should get that big one. I was like, oh, my God. I can't afford that. But I can tell, I can say that. I was like, okay. And I looked at Tim. I was like, all right, Tim, let's do it. So uh, 
uh, he gave it. Uh, he's like, yeah. So I started. He's like, give me a month. Uh, and give me a couple weeks. It should be ready. And you can bring in your things. So when I was moving to my things, we were talking about the grand opening and how Mayor Gordon was going to come over. And I was like so excited. Like I had the numbers, all those forecast numbers that entrepreneurs do. Like, oh my God, man. I was it's coming. ridiculous. Yeah, I was like, registered. Yeah, I had expenses for the grand opening, right? And then like, I was like, okay, we're gonna bring in about fifty thousand dollars in the first couple uh, couple weeks because I had a list of clientele that were like, oh, we are coming to this grand opening. I haven't texted everybody. I was like, we're yeah. coming to like shop. Like this is it. It's happening, you know. So uh, I had guarantee guys who made appointments. Uh, when you make an appointment on my website, you pay for it, but everything that you pay for is deducted uh, towards your sale. Uh, I wanted to do that because I wanted to filter. Uh, people who are just gonna come and hang out, and so uh, I think everybody should do that. Uh, no, don't double whammy people. Just kind of like when people pay for something, it means a lot, and I take it seriously. I was like, hey, you spend sixty bucks on an hour, like man, I'm going hard, right? So, uh, and uh, so, anyways, so when uh, I was getting ready for all that stuff, man, uh, <laughs> COVID. I heard about COVID. I was like, it's not happening here. You know, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's gonna, it's like, it's not happening. And in February, mid February, end of February, that's when we started closing things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so March, was, early March, maybe. Yeah. So we were closing things down. I was moving things. I was doing that phase. Like, I had to go to New York for this meeting. He meet up with these guys who had, uh, they're doing a cast for, uh, it's like a show called, like, it's related, it's kind of like, like, a, like power. There's this show called Power. And I was going. They wanted me to be the casting guy, like not, not the casting guy. They wanted me to like dress the cast. No way. Right. So, and I was like, I'm taking this. Like, so when COVID, everything was shutting down. I'm like, I'm buying tickets to go to uh, to go to New York in like early like March eighth, the March tenth. <laughs> you know, when New York was actually closing the borders. So I flew in at the airport, uh, and everybody was like. I take a snapshot, like in New York City, baby, and then there's nobody in New York City, Manhattan. Like, if you guys have been in New York City, Manhattan, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There was nobody. Uh, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, it was like The Walking Dead. I promise you guys that. Like, it was insane. And I'm in there, I'm in this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. I was, like, if I, I was like, if I die doing this, hey, listen, this is how I'm going to go. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, so I was there, man, and people were like, you're crazy. What are you doing in New York City? Are you crazy? You don't have to do that meeting. It's probably not going to happen. So uh, I was like, yeah, it is what it is. I met up with these guys at the hotel, and then I did my meeting. And they got to see me. They're like, yeah, man, like, okay, let's wait for this thing to settle down and all that stuff. And then let's continue this. But I think you're going to be our guy. So uh, I flew back uh, from to Nashville and I drove back home. Uh, not much. <laughs> and then uh, I wasn't able to open. But uh, I had everything there. But uh, it, it And you just... still haven't opened? Or have well, you? I did two months ago. Okay. Because some of my clients are like, hey, uh, we know uh, this is happening. But... I'm a doctor. I have to travel. I need clothes. Yeah. Can you open this place for me? For me, I was like, yes, please. But uh, I will because I have over my head in finance, right? In financials, but, you know, but let's do it. And But I did not. For me, I've always been like, I always behave like that cute, pretty blonde girl, you know, at the park. And uh, that knows she's pretty, but nobody knows, like, she's not confident in herself. So everybody wants to talk to her. 
but she like so scared, but she, she acts like she, oh, like that's how I was behaving with my clients. So they were like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm doing this for you, Logan. Okay. So when they came over to see me, they brought gift and stuff like that. Like, thank you for doing this for me. I'm like, thank you for coming, but I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't show that. So they love that, you know. So I was able to bring them in. Uh, one of my clients, Michael Porthood, I'm gonna quote him right here. He doesn't, but he comes in and he said, hey, uh, just. I'm, just charge me whatever you have to charge me. Uh, I got your gift uh, and uh, and put me on there. So I was like, I want to create a profile. I was nervous. This is my first sale, guys. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, as if I, as if I didn't even do it. Just like I was sweating. I was like, where's my measure tape? I was like looking for measuring tape. I was like scratching and measuring. I'm forgetting some measurements. I'm mixing up measurement. And he's like, hey, he's like, just relax. You know, you got this. Just handle this. You know, you've done this before. Uh, so I did it all. And, uh, and he like, I, I was like, okay, they charge me. I gotta go like charge him is like $4,000. And I looked at it. I was like, I was like, am I ripping this guy? Like, you know, like for me, it was like weird. It's like, and I feel like entrepreneurs have that moment. Is that moment that defines like, are you going to delete your brand because you don't really truly believe in yourself? And everything that you've worked out for, all the service, all the quality, all that stuff, it goes down to that one moment, that first sale, when you look at the clients in their face and say, listen, this I know what I'm giving you, and I truly believe in myself and I trust myself, right? And I know I'm going to do this, right? Or are you going to like, ah, oh, ah, uh, well, I'm just going to charge him $1,000 because this is my first client, right? Uh, so... That's a very important moment. And a lot of people like loses the brands because of that, right? So uh, I I had to remember where I came from, why I did what, I, what I'm doing, what I'm doing. And like, I've done it. I've done it just at a bank. So that moment, remember, like it helped me so much remember what I did. Like, man, got these guys, like I did, they will like give me confidence and give me gifts. And like every year, they'll give me gifts to Joseph A. Bank and wines, bottles and all that stuff because of the service that I gave. It's like, just do that. Just do that. And you, like make it fair, right? Make it fair to people and give more value. Uh, for every dollar that you guys give me, I'm giving you uh, twice as dollar, uh, three times as value for every dollar. Uh, so, Yeah. That's awesome. That was my first sale, man. That's cool. Slept like a baby. Oh, I bet. <laughs> sure. Yeah, after that. But I was nervous because now I don't know how everything is going to fit. But that was fun. that's another moment. But yeah. So, uh, you know, looking, let's let's kind of wind this down here. And we want to know, like, where do you see this, this going, you know, the next year? Um, given everything happening now, yeah. all the uncertainty, what what's ideally going to happen with you know Albert Couture in this in this next year? What are some of your you know you said you don't set goals, but yeah, you know, what are some things you hope to accomplish you know while this is all going on? My goal right now, more very like clientele focus, uh, is uh, how can I get my clients? How can I get people to know that I'm there? Because I without also doing so much ads, because most of my clients they don't look at ads, they don't care about ads, they're like busy running companies. So uh, being able to say Hey, uh, come in. I want to take really, really good care of you. And that's a promise, you know, but you don't have to come back again. You just text me. Like, well, now they just text me, hey, I need a couple white shirt. And then, boom, they come in, they fit, they fit perfectly, right? And so being able to understand people's time and understand what you're selling is very important, right? So are you selling clothes or are you selling time 
Are you selling confident? Like what is it that are you selling and double down on that and offer that up front, right? And and I'm always thinking about value. What else can I give my clients? What else can I do with my clients, right? Like, can I partner up with Tony and like give them some discounts? Can I put them like that's uh, like not give discounts on clothes, but give value, more value. People don't think about that, but they, you know, how can you sell a higher ticket to a clientele that was doing a lower, a lower ticket somewhere else? But it's the same product. Yeah, it's better quality, but they don't they don't know that. You know that, right? So you can be like, nobody cares about where the fabric really comes from, but they love the story. Like, hey, I can tell you this fabric comes from this village, right? And you're like, yeah, what? And like, yeah, this is how it's, it was made. This is who made it, this is why it's made. Uh, and this is why I think it's going to fit your skin tone. People love that. How opposed to like, this is like... 80% wool, polyester. You don't remember that. Nobody cares about that. It's not you personal. Know? Yeah. Tell me, like, who made uh, who made the fabric. Tell me who, uh, tell me where the clothes come from. Tell me why you're doing it. Tell me why I need it, right? And then, cool. Like, I'll pay. But people, you know, at least they'll, they'll skip that part. And they'll say, ah, 50% discount. Like, it's like, Why? Like people don't care about that. Give people value, you know, because you you not then they know they're not giving value, you know, and so they say fifty percent. They sound just to get this to cover the expenses, but that's all, right? So for me, I wanted to reverse engineer that, right? I want you to walk in and say, I know where this thing is made. I know why it's made, and you know, I can text this guy anytime, you know, and he's the owner, and I can text him anytime and say, hey, listen, uh. Uh, this is what I need. Can you do this for me? Can you help me with this? And I'll, I'll fly in. Like, I had a wedding. This guy was getting married in New York, too. And uh, he did a fitting here. He flew to New York. And uh, his product wasn't the way I wanted it to fit. I was like, baby, I got to fly to New York. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, he's getting ready. So I'm ready. I'm like, clients. So my clients are my family. I'm my friends. And, those, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And so when you have that... In, in somebody that's willing to give it all for you yeah that's important in business man yeah absolutely so that's that's an amazing lesson in itself right there and what i wanted to you know kind of end on was you know you've had so many amazing experiences yeah you know as we said a second ago like you're 27 yeah. and just the things you've experienced in life have been through so far i mean you you have so much to tell so many stories if you were to give our audience like one takeaway from your life so far yeah. that you want a, them to see as a perspective or for them to apply to their own life, yeah, you know, what, what would that be? Can you think of something right off the top of your head? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, for me, my people ask me, what's your motivation? What's your motivation, man? I'm like, death, right? Because if you think of it, people like, don't like talking about death. Like everything physical disappears, boom, right? And it's like, are you going to win that? That moment, that very moment when you're closing your eyes for the last time, are you going to drop a tear? Are you going to have a smirk on your face? Right? It's like, yeah, I did this. This is good. I'm ready. Right? So for me, I think about that moment. And that moment could be tomorrow. For me, it could be any time. Right? So it's like, I'm always getting ready. So when you think about that, you reverse engineer that, man. Like, you are the happiest guy every day. You know, he's smiling, just moving around, you know, getting things done. So with my clients, uh, the reason why I'm like that is because uh, I'm true to myself. Uh, you have to be honest with yourself. 
you have to sit down and actually think about who you are. What do you want to be? And are you really, really honest with the work that you put in today? If you really wanted to execute on that business, are you really, really honest with the relationship, uh, with the work that you put in your own relationship with your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, or your own health, right? So if you're like, oh, no, I didn't put in that much, then there's, that's you see where the problem is, right? So uh, it's, and for me, what I do is I, I, I make them think, I'm like, the person that you did not invest in fully, think about it as if uh, that day is the last day you're ever going to see them again. What would you want to do differently? And then reverse engineer that and do that, right? If people, if you're worried about how people are perceiving you, hey, Logan is this, Logan is that. Well, if you get a call from your mom and you say your dad is dead, would you care about what people are thinking about you? Right? Nothing else matters now. Do you see what I mean? So in business, it's the same way, right? If your clients are not there, would you have that cool business that you talk about all the time so proudly? Then take, then okay, then take care of those clients, right? That's family right and whoever you hire have to have the same mindset right and how you run from the logos to the manufacturer to the distribution to the shipping everything has to correlate what you want for that customer for that client when they're sleeping they want you they, you want them to be like i can't wait till i got tomorrow to rock that avocado suit right how do you get to that and how do you get those clientele to talk about you the difference between the brand and the logo right uh, Michael Gladwell always talk about like he says I'm sorry Seth Gordon uh, he says everybody knows what a Nike hotel looks like because we understand Nike we could probably predict it but nobody knows what a Marriott uh, uh, or Hyatt hotel if they had to do a shoe what would that sneaker look like nobody knows right and a brand is something that people talk about when they're not in the room anymore Right, so when I think about things like that, it's like when I walk out of this room, what are you guys gonna be talking about? I toe, right? And is my that's my story also correlate what I'm doing every day, day in day out, right? And so my action has to speak louder. Yeah, just be true to yourself, uh, whatever you know, whatever you do, because uh, you listen to yourself more than anyone. You can be like, I don't care about anybody else, whatever. You can be that, you know, ignorant, but at the end of the day. If you tell yourself, man, I'm terrible, man. I suck, man. I, I'm a refugee, man. I'm not that good, man. I'm just black, man. You know, I can't handle that, man. I can't do this. And the ones who say they can't, the ones who say I can, they're both true, right? So it's, uh, you listen to that a lot more. So be careful what you say to yourself.